Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Lynn Jacob, a dynamic force in the business world with a special focus on helping men in business. With over 20 years of experience, Lynn is a proven track record helping businesses 3x their profits in just six months and doubling their businesses within a year. As the founder of MLJ International, she's not just about numbers, she's about reigniting the passion and fun in business. A sought after keynote speaker, uh, keynote presenter, speaker, and workshop facilitator, Lynn delves deep into topics like confidence, leadership development, and high performance habits. Lynn's expertise isn't limited to the boardroom. She's also a seasoned teacher, having taught English in various countries. Her diverse background from legal assistant to operations manager has given her a unique perspective that resonates with audiences worldwide. I've asked Lynn to join us here today to share her story and help us survive in this crazy business world. So Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thank you, Daryl. I'm great. I'm good. good. Thank you. Good. And it's an honor pleasure to have you. So before we hop into what like your kind of tips and what you've learned throughout your journey, how did you even get started? Are you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Is business- no, I am the first entrepreneur. And let me tell you what I didn't know about, you know, that, but whatever. So yeah, no, okay. first entrepreneur in many, well, except for my grandfathers, I guess they were farmers. So we could call them entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. we have to talk about that. Farming is definitely an enterprising and, and maybe booming business in the near future. So, yes. but that shows a good work ethic. So there's a good family, like salt of the earth people work ethic behind it, behind everything, I guess, in the house you grew up in. Yeah, I love the word salt of the earth. That's, I use that expression, in fact, with my clients, because I work mainly with construction contractors, mm-hmm. but definitely brick and mortar business owners. And right. so mainly construction and they are salt of the earth people. And that's who I love working with. Yeah. Real people. I'm funny. I was saw a clip for Wolf of Wall Street last night. And I'm just like that whole, like they don't produce anything. It's paper shuffling. I miss, I worked with a carpenter for two years when I was in my late teens. And I just love that feeling at the end of the day of being able to look and say, look at what I accomplished. Or we did a lot of, was it uh, fire, water, wind damage repairs. Yeah. We come in and like someone's house would have burnt down and it's like, Hey, we built you a new house or just the craziest stuff, but you could just see you're having an impact on the community. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. important lesson because that's how I see businesses helping others. So how did you even get into that then? Helping brick and mortar businesses? What Did you have your own business no. as a teen or? Uh, no, I'll take it back to, so I'd been a legal assistant in law firms. So I was a chief cook and bottle washer in in one firm in particular, I was the the senior employee, that sort of thing, and ran a, a bunch of departments. And what I, I had no idea what that was going to bring to me as an entrepreneur, but it's a ton. And then also because real estate was my main, the main part of what we did in that law firm, then working with construction contractors, I understand so much about developing land and mm-hmm. financing and all that stuff. So... At any rate, I went from there to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, as my older daughter said, once my kids are off and and out of the home, and then I went out. So I was was living in Belgium. I was teaching English as a second language in law firms in Mm. Belgium and other places too, but it was in a law firm. It was in a law firm where I, thanks to being in this law firm, I got an invitation to 
an open house for opening a business that was one of the sisters of the CEO of the law firm sort of thing, the way things are connected. Right. And so I went and it was when I was there that I heard about coaching. This is one of the services that they were going to be providing through this new startup company sort of thing. And so I learned about it from the life coach who was there and I went home. I didn't even go back the second day with some small amount to come for two days and have a taste test of all the services they were going to be offering. And I didn't even go back the second day because I went home and got online and started finding out about what coaching, professional coaching was mm. and sent off an email on the Sunday. So that was a Saturday. On the Sunday, I sent off an email on Wednesday. And this is way back. Then, of course, I had a cell phone because that's what people were using already in Europe, certainly not yet in Canada much. But anyway, pulled over to the side of the road to answer this cell phone. And there I am giving my credit card number over a cell phone like 25 years ago. Something like that. <laughs> I know people listening, they're like, what? they don't. Understand. Yeah, I know. Today is. Yeah. So what? We do it all the time. No, not back. And that's not so long ago. 20, maybe 22 years ago, I guess, is that time. So at any rate, I that was early February and still in that month. So inside of that month, I was over in the UK taking this program at what is still apparent, I, I believe, is still the largest coaching academy on the planet. And it's now called the Coaching Academy. Hmm. So. Got yeah, so that's how it went from there. And so then eventually, a few months later, I come back to Canada because I'd been living abroad for a few years. And I come back to Canada and started my business doing whatever I could learn about how one starts a professional service business, such as mm. coaching. And within a year of that, less than a year for sure, yeah, less than maybe nine months, I purchased a property, uh, vacant land on a lake, beautiful chunk of land and started building. And I didn't know what I didn't know, but one of the things was we started building and then the banks wouldn't touch us with a 10 foot pole to give me a mortgage to continue after I'd used up all the cash I had. Oh, is this yeah. So self-employed? Say it again. Is this because you were self-employed? Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because I didn't have three years of income tax returns as a self-employed business owner. Yep, uh, exactly. Yeah, I feel I I had struggled to get land in Canada and it was that I had three years, but the whole thing, I remember I went to the bank and there's as, as a business owner, you're trying to make your income look as small as possible. But for them, they just go look at all your expenses. You have no cash. <laughs> And meanwhile, if I hired someone and I was paying that person a salary, they would go give them a loan based off the full amount of the salary, not deducting yes. the rent and groceries and their car payments. Like, oh, you're getting five grand a month. Okay, we'll approve you for 60K based off an income of 60K a year, but I could be doing 300,000. But after all my expenses have 60,000 left over and they go, oh, you're broke. What? What are you talking about? That's, sorry, you can you tell. You know I'm, Canadian banks very well. <laughs> I'm, I'm Canadian. I've been dealing I with it. It's. I love my country. I love my people, and I am honestly. We don't need to go down here. I'm, I'm honestly <laughs> terrified 
because I feel like it's the story of the frog that sat in the pot of water while it's boiling. I and so that's why I feel like I'm doing interviews with people like you. I'm really doing my mission is to help create 200 new multi-million dollar businesses, how evidence-based methods, accountability, step-by-step -step systems. And we are the middle class. If your mm -hmm. business makes less than a hundred million, you're still small, medium. And if you're doing 90 million a year, maybe someone would disagree with me on that, but if you're doing 90 million a year, you're paying the middle-class salaries. Like we, we are the middle-class without us, it's Kings and peasants. And after the last three years, I'm going to get off my soapbox in a minute, but after the last three years, we've seen the largest wealth transfer in the history that we are aware of. And the middle-class has been decimated. Small businesses around the world have been decimated and there's no real sign of let up in the terms of opportunists using, maybe there's real crises, but the opportunists are licking their chops and yes, crisis, yeah. crisis capitalism is starting to really, I think, sour people. So I don't know, we, we can go, but aside from that, let's talk about some of the fundamentals where you got your professional service business going, bought a piece of land, and then you're trying to build, couldn't get a bank loan. And what happened now, this land was for your own home residence or for the business? Yes. Or no, my own home residence. However, yes, I, one of the rooms the you know, had, had its own yeah, home office, but it was built for privacy sort of thing, because in a coaching, yep. in a coaching business, everything's confidential and all that stuff. So at any rate, it had its own separate entrance. It had its own beautiful view of the lake. It, mm. it had uh, soundproof walls, that sort of thing. And mm. yeah, so yeah, it was the, it was for the business as well, but I certainly didn't want to use, like it, it put any of that into the business because capital gains tax and all that stuff. Right. So, so yeah. how did you, were, you just worked out of uh, rented space or something? Like how'd you, what'd you do? In the beginning, well, I was, while I was building the house, I was bunked in with my mom. She had a pretty much empty house, right? So I bunked in there. And I didn't see clients in person too much, mm. right? It was all over the phone. Mm. But, oh, so easy. easy yeah, easy. so easy. So you were working easy, remote before. Had... Yeah, <laughs> you're working remote for the internet. <laughs> That's the thing is, yeah, working from home and, and it was by telephone now it's by zoom meetings and stuff like that and yeah absolutely it's just so i was here before this environment really right. was here it has really taken off just in right. the last five years or something but especially the last three years yeah I, I was already here so i've been taking wherever me and my laptop are in the world i've been taking the winters and going off to warmer climates for years yeah. now because I can, I just have to be sure that I've got great internet where I'm going. So yep. I'll go check it out on a vacation first and yeah, I could do it from here. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's, yeah, that's how I ended up in the Philippines. So the original plan was to buy an Island and get a hovercraft to go get groceries from my Island every once a week, just hop on my hovercraft, <laughs> go to civilization. Cause I, I had an early retirement, but after being there for a year, my girlfriend and I, my girlfriend of two years at the time, and I decided to have a, have a baby. And then when she was pregnant, I realized I don't need society. Like I've done all my schooling and I could just have like Starlink and something on an island and be, be like cast Tom Hanks and Castaway if I want, just doing Zoom calls with people and them being left to my, my island after. But my daughter, she's going to need people. She's going to need that society. She's still in the Philippines, but. Yeah. So what were some of the biggest challenges then? This is an unorthodox business. It's also a very uncommon path. 
so to speak, like you're well, not a, not a doctor, you're not a nurse, not an engineer. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest challenge for me starting the business was marketing. I knew nothing about that. So I remember I called it creating awareness and then it just turned out I created a plan and I worked with a coach within two months of hanging out my shingle. That's an old expression I know, but within two months of starting my business, then I invested in myself by working with a coach who was mm-hmm. had background in sales, who could help me in the sales world. I was an office manager, let's say, in law firms. I didn't know anything about marketing mm-hmm. or sales. Sure. The clients just kept coming in. I didn't know where they came from and I didn't care. That was a wake up call for me. And it was funny because I remember like years later, I'm still calling. So in the fall, this is something I learned as I got into construction, how did I get into construction? Because in the beginning, I was working with a smattering of different types of businesses and like insurance and real estate and financial planning, and then a yacht company and just different, all kinds of different stuff. But then it was when I started building my house that it was actually one of my contractors who said, what is it that you do anyway, that you can (laughs) come here during the day to meet with me to talk about this land and stuff like that. And he said, and when I told him, he said, I need me some of that. And so he was my first client in the construction industry. And oh my gosh, the, the way he turned his job into a business. I called, I, I asked him, so what, I guess it was in the form that he filled out for us to get started. What's your profession or whatever construction worker. He had four helpers as a worker, but he called mm. himself a construction worker. So he didn't call himself a contractor at all. Mm. That's So we just, it's all about when I'm working with them, it's all, they, all of my clients gain a lot more confidence, obviously. Mm-hmm as an entrepreneur. Mm. So at any rate, this guy was my first contractor. And then, oh yeah, then another guy came through BNI, I think Business Networking International, a contractor. Yeah. And then another guy from some marketing I had actually learned to do. And so then it, it was with those three, working with those three contractors at the same time mm. that I realized they don't see the world like the professional entrepreneurs do like the one one of my clients at the time was a manager of one of the big one of the big investment firms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, like a regional manager so when i would ask him questions he could think outside the box he wasn't doing it on his own but when i was asking him these questions he did have options these contractors, they didn't have any options. Really, truly, it's that's the way it's always been done. I don't know what else you could do. Mm-hmm. So then I decided to do some train, get something together. I created a package of training, entrepreneurial training, really, mm-hmm. and and get all these these type of people into the room. So these three in particular, let's say, get them into the room to listen to training, listen to ideas, listen to options, Mm. and then go back to the one-on-one. And when I would ask them questions, then they would have possible options to do things differently. Mm. Mm. I love that. I love that. That's a great, it's very organic. It reminds me of the story of, I lived in Japan for three years and I've, people told me they've heard different versions. This is the version I heard. 
that Tokyo University was expanding their campus. And land is a scarce thing in Japan. People often buy and sell buildings, but it's not often they buy and sell the land, right? They're not making more of it. Um, so the Tokyo University had bought a parcel of land and was building buildings on it. And there was a site manager and a project manager. And the site manager had the blueprints where, or sorry, the site manager was managing all the trades people and the project manager had all the blueprints and everything. And they built the, the externals of the building. They were doing the inside finishing work and they were pulling out all the heavy machinery and the site manager went to see the project manager going, hey, okay, so um, we're pulling out all the big trucks. Where should the sidewalks be? Where should we put the parking lot? Where do you want the gardens? Like, where's this stuff? And the project manager said, don't worry about that. School's going to be open. The campus is going to be open soon. We'll come back and do that in the spring. And they had a big fight over that because the site manager said, what are you talking about? We got everyone here. We don't know about what's going to happen there and prices of this and that. And they got an argument. And ultimately, the project manager won. He said, no, we're going to wait till the spring. And so the campus opened up and it filled with students and winter came and then winter left and then spring. And then when the spring came and they came to put in the walkways and the parking lots and the gardens and that, they didn't need blueprints because people had made paths for where <laughs> they wanted to be to where they were going to go. <laughs> and so they, the ground had been soft and you could just see that. So they just built to fit. And that's when I talk about your story, like when I hear your story, it sounds like that. Like I had a skill set and I was helping different types of people. And then I really found the group that I resonated with. And that's ultimately, I think, a really important thing for success in a marketing strategy is almost that scientific approach of first having a well-vetted solution, but then offering that solution to different stereotypes and finding the stereotype that you, because there has to be product market founder fit, not just product market fit. And so even though you were selling this to some markets, some stereotypes of target avatar, it wasn't the connection that you had with the contractors. So mm -hmm. that's what I got from your story there. I thought that was great. Having, you also mentioned having an intake form to onboard new people. And I just want to point that out for listeners here listening that, that onboarding is such an important part of all processes. You can lose a sale real fast. And so just wanted to just highlight that. And then I want to follow, let's follow up with a question. What would you recommend to someone who's starting out and struggling? Maybe like you were with marketing, <clears throat> like they, they put up their shingle, they're good at what they do, but the world's not beating a path to their door. Uh-oh. Yeah, with marketing, I, I would say, yeah, okay, I'm going <laughs> to be blunt. <laughs> Get out there. And I have said this so many times to not just to contractors and mainly more to other people because contractors are out there more than anybody else. We hide at home behind our computers. But I say to everybody, your next customers, your next clients are not in your home. They're not mm -hmm. in your computer. They might be reachable by your computer, but you don't know where the hell they are. Sorry, they, you don't know where the heck they are. Mm -hmm. So it's get out there. And it really was when I went to BNI International first, the first month I was in business, I went to a chamber of commerce breakfast and I will remember that forever. I felt like a babe in the woods. I looked nice, had on a nice suit, professional looking, but that's not the way I felt with all those men in suits. And so then I knew that this is not where I fit. So I had to change the way I felt about it. And so I had to keep going to these until I mm. felt comfortable going to these. Mm. and. So then that went into BNI because people there would invite me to BNI and that sort of thing. And it might have been six months before I actually joined a BNI. Mm -hmm. I couldn't join a BNI in the beginning because I was just too 
knew I was just, again, the babe in the woods. I was just, I couldn't, but I could visit as someone's guest that works for them and that sort of thing. So then I joined BNI and within a couple of months, I was asked to sit in the treasurer's seat because of my, Mm -hmm. whatever, my personality or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. In less than a year, and I ended up being there for about 18 months and needed to leave, but I grew so much in BNI. I didn't get that many clients out of it because it's not a good fit for what my business became, but it was a great teacher for me, a great teacher because I saw how not to do it. And I also saw how to do it. And I'm somebody, I'm a geek like that. I like to learn how to do things well, study them, execute them to the best of my ability, that sort of thing. But what it did is it gave me, if if your listeners don't know what BNI is, Business Networking International, and they get together for breakfast meetings, and you have to stand up and speak about your business, but for no more than one minute. And if they're really full, really big, you only get to speak for 30 seconds. So right. imagine everybody else in the room, they're probably going to be about 20. Everybody else in the room is your sales force. Yes. So every Ooh. week. Before I went, like the the day before, the afternoon before I went, I crafted a little something that I was going to say, and I memorized it, and I timed it with the uh, timer on the easy, no, not easy bake oven, the oven that uh, I never use. Yeah, 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 the timer. (laughs) So I would set the timer on there for 55 seconds, and I had to be done in 55 seconds. So anyway, I just... It it started to become easy that I could do that. And what that did by helping me speak like that confidently, all that stuff, then I started getting hired to speak at all these construction association meetings, their chapters. I've spoken in Rome, Italy. I've spoken in uh, Malaga, Spain, and where else? Uh, The big island of Hawaii, Maui. Yeah, a while ago. And uh, you got to have you, you got to have that confidence to speak. And where does that come from when you've been an office employee for 25 years and then you go into a business for yourself? And it's just all these things along the way. I love that. Um, I love that. So again, to pull out some of the nuggets from that, you you had to get out there and reach your market. I think that's really important that if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. And if you have the world's greatest product or service, but no one knows about you and there's paid ads, there's online social media and there's SEO, all these things. But often a lot of people find those as excuses to hide behind their computer. And you really have to go out the best, some of the best, most successful people in marketing and sales ever started door to door, or they were running kiosks where they were all day pressing palms to flesh and talking people to people, because what that does is that teaches them how to talk and get attention and how to speak in a way that's relevant. And once you have that ironed out, then you can go and try these other platforms. And I'm as guilty as maybe anyone for spending more money than I want to admit to send clicks to websites. And then you're sitting there looking at numbers, scratching your butt, trying to figure out why (laughs) what you thought wasn't happening didn't happen. Where if you just had been in front of a person face to face, you'd know. Like you wouldn't have had to spend thousands and figure out and reverse engineer and do a rain dance and 
look at heat maps to figure out, decipher what this means. You just would know. And the whole marketing thing in a lot of ways is just taking the real physical world, face-to-face, kneecap-to-kneecap, belly-to-belly experience and trying to do it digitally over time, sideways, where you might get it done in one single conversation sitting down. Maybe your ad is now the icebreaker and then we've got a thing and it's the same concept of that relationship building. So based on what you saw, what you said, I got get out there and reach your market. You also talked about how you basically outworked your fears and perceived weaknesses. And I think that's a powerful, it's a powerful message. Now you can't always, we do have to accept things about ourselves and maybe hire or build a team around us for where we're not strong. But ultimately when you know you couldn't do it and you're capable of it, to get out there and outwork it. And you, you, I think you volunteer at BNI, right? You volunteered for the experience. Is that, there's treasure? Uh, yeah, you volunteer do volunteer, role, right? BNI, you pay. It's about, I don't know, it's about $1,000 a year. But when you're on the executive, your fees are, your dues are suspended. So that's ah, a volunteer okay, okay. on the executive, but everybody else pays. So then you have to be a paying member to be able to be invited to I be do. on the executive. Right. I wrote down and volunteer for experience because that's one thing I did a Canadian program called Katimovic. I got to travel and work around Canada for nine months. And I just think volunteering for experience, that's what I thought you'd, you'd done. I was like, oh, she paid to join BNI and then she volunteered for that. But I guess you're... Con- but I, I don't know if you're really con- $1,000 a year is not <laughs> for the hours you probably put in. It probably doesn't necessarily equal, but the key is that you stepped up for more experience to grow. And then the other part that I got was that you tested your messaging and did a ton of iterations. And I think that is incredibly powerful, incredibly powerful to test the messaging. One of our past guests, Justin Brooke, he's a paid ad guy. He always tells it's really good for people. He calls it the five by three by two, five stereotypes, five target markets, three reasons why two different offers mm-hmm. to try to test that messaging out, depending on where you're going and how you're doing your marketing, but that, that you did so many iterations that it wasn't, you didn't just succeed the first time. Oh, no. And with BNI, when I was doing all this speaking, as I say, it was more, it was like hands down. It's what I took away from it. It's what yeah. I learned from it. But of course, for me, I need to get results. I'm an accomplishments driven person. Right. So, so I need to get results. So for me to make this investment back then when I had very few clients and not paying anything like what they pay today. So I needed to get, you know, an X return. I don't know if it was three times or whatever on it. And I did hands down quite quickly, actually. And what most of those people said, and they were the people in BNI hiring mm-hmm. me because it, BNI is more business to consumer. Mm-hmm. And so, so these people couldn't really refer me to their customers if their customers were consumers. Right. That makes. But sense. they were hiring me to help them grow their businesses. Right. So I didn't get a ton of business out of it, but I certainly surpassed the whatever it was if I needed to get a triple return or something right. like that. And I loved how you talked about speaking at associated meetings. It reminded me, and I forget his name, and I even forget the industry, but there was a guy, he knew he had like you, he had a very clearly defined target market and they would have a giant annual conference for this association. And what he would do is he would rent out a room at the same hotel the day before and the day after the conference. And he would pay to advertise and his advertisements would just be helpful articles in their magazine, the association's magazine leading up to the conference. So for two, three, four months, he would, this is pre-internet, he would have, he would pay 
<clears throat> to write to, for ad space, but instead of pitching, he would just have useful, helpful tips that he put in there. This gets distributed to all the members. And then when this is the OPR, OPM, OPC, other people's resources, other people's money, other people's times or other people's customers, this association doing all the work to get the whole industry to come to this one place once a year, all of them that are willing to come mm -hmm. for him. It's, it'd be like, Hey day, it'd be like the great seal run for the seal hunters where it's just like a one, I'm not a fan of that, but just, it's an annual event where all of his prospects are there. And so for two, three months leading into it, he would have a simple blurb. There would be like a minor call to action. Hey, this is who I am. And if you want to talk, call this number. But ultimately it was just about getting awareness, which you mentioned. Yes. And then yes. at the conference, he would pay to have and run his own workshops. He didn't need permission from the conference itself because he had his own space and he would put his own <laughs> signage up around the area. If the conference is in this hotel and there's a Starbucks across the street, and a little like co-working space, he would rent a room of the co-working space and just flyer the snot out of the whole area and have this workshop schedule. And so I just love how you talked about that, that you've worked on your public speaking, you worked on your messaging, you figured out who your ideal target market was, and then you managed to network and finagle your way to be able to speak at the association meetings, which must've been gangbusters for you in terms of getting exposure. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, in the beginning, I started by connecting with the, they called them presidents of, or, or CEOs or something of the association. So I would get into those little chapters. And of mm. course, they're providing me with dinner and the list of members, not only the people who are there, but the list of their members, that was worth a ton. Right. But then I would get hired to go off on their big conferences and speak there. So how nice. And yes, I went to all those annual events too, like in Panama City, Panama and different places in the US, like in, in Texas and stuff like that. So yeah, lots of lots of fun places. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great yeah. tip. Networking with the presidents of these associations. So anyone listening, they go, oh, how does that look like? There's a quick tip called the Dream 100. You can make a list of 100 dream prospects, dream clients. You come up with a promotion. So you've got a list of targets, you have a, a product or service, and you come up with a promotion describing it and its benefits. But ultimately, you also want to lead with value first and compliments, right? Honey attracts more bees than vinegar. So don't just show up and be like, buy my stuff. And then you just work that list of 100 and mm -hmm. see what shakes out of it. And high touch, I think, is really important. It's tough if you have an online e-commerce store, you're selling $30 items. Then you maybe have to work with the same thing, but your math is different. Now, Lynn, I wanted to ask, you've given such great tips here, even without trying to give great tips. What are some of the greatest mistakes that you see your clients and other entrepreneurs making? Like the biggest one is hiding behind their computer or hiding in their office when it comes to marketing, for sure. I was just talking to a fellow recently who is not a good fit right now to be coached because... He has to do it his way. He just spent $13,000, very small kitchen cabinet installer. Yeah, so he'll buy them, but install them. And so he went from that one, $13,000 of zero results to in whatever that, that platform was, to now he's going to Google ads 
Okay. I didn't say to him, you are not coachable, but I said, it's okay. You don't have to do anything different. And I gave him that 100 list, that dream Mm -hmm. list of 100. So I use it with all of my clients. I've used it with nieces and nephews who need a job. Listen, you can't get through that list of 100 without without getting results. So yeah, absolutely. So mistakes they're making is they're hiding. They just, they won't go out. And another one is if anybody has an email marketing list, use that list. People have never heard of this little trick that I used for many years, which is, of course, in your newsletters, you are putting links in there for them to, in my opinion, get more information. So if somebody clicks on a link in one of my newsletters, they're looking for more information. So I pick up the GD phone and phone them and (laughs) and say who I am, why I'm calling and ask them something like, I see that the system tells me that you have clicked on one of the links in our newsletters and I'm just wondering if you got the information you were looking for. Oh, that's so powerful. And non-salesy or certainly I'm not uh, harassing them. They'll tell you every time if I want to do mm. a, a test or something like on a scale of one to 10, how bothersome would you say this phone call has been? Not at all. Not at all. I'm glad you called that sort of thing. Well, I think the key takeaway from this which is something we all need to use. I I don't know. If somebody out there has a course on using the Socratic method, please let me know. I've been trying to find one, but you ask questions. That's the real thing. You did, There's no, it, it's user generated content in the sense of you get them on the phone and you're just asking questions. There's no pitch. This is, it's, I, I just love it. I think it's so great. So email, let's talk about email for a second, because I've, I worked with a client. We grew their Facebook following. This is 2013. We grew their Facebook following from 30,000 to 300,000 followers on Facebook. We were getting over 3 million organic impressions a week. And then January 1st, 2014, Facebook introduced the boost post feature where you could boost your post to get, pay some money, get that reach. But our organic reach went from millions to half a million. And it was going to be $750 to $1,400 per Facebook post to boost it in order to get the reach we had been enjoying for six months previously. And so this is where you can't export your Facebook friends. You can't export your LinkedIn connections. You can't take them with you, but your email list, you can email them and ask them to follow you somewhere or to connect with you somewhere. You can actually import them into a lot of places. You can run paid ads to an email list. You can import it to Facebook. You can import it to AdWords, run ads. You can import it to your Facebook page and send invites for them to follow you. You can import your email list to LinkedIn. So the email addresses are such an asset. Email addresses and phone numbers, I think, are two incredible phone numbers. Phone uh, look, look. An email address. <laughs> see, phone number. An email address is okay. And I've worked with some pretty good coaching mentors over the years. And they would say all the time, people aren't going to give you their phone number. And my response was always, I don't need their email address. I'm not in the driver's seat. It's all about being in the driver's seat for me. That's why I drive a nice car. What do you you mean? Can you expand on that? 
Yeah, with the email address, the person will reach out to you or not. You can send them 50,000 emails. You can send them, and this will annoy me if anybody does this. They they see that you clicked on something, and so now they send they they bombard you with emails. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. And I feel that I'm quite closely connected with the way my market feels. I, I think that's another thing with your market. You can't be distanced, greatly distanced from who they are. You have mm-hmm. to be somewhat similar. People will talk to, they'll try to sell me stuff to work with my market or whatever. And I'll say, I know my market and I know mm-hmm. that won't work with them. Mm-hmm. I know that. Why? Because I'm very similar. I'm not right. the same, but I'm very similar. Yeah. So with the uh, phone number and I see who is opening, clicking on the links, that sort of thing, then I can give them a call. I'm in the driver's seat. I oh. may not reach them. I may not reach them, but I remember one of, one of, all of my clients are fun. They all are, but this guy's really fun. Anyway, I saw he was uh, clicking on some links or whatever, and I left a message and I left another message and I left another message. And in my messages, they're just all fun messages. And in the third, when I said I played baseball for a lot of years, it's something like this. I play, played baseball for a lot of years. So I have the three strike rule and I'm not going to feel offended if I stricken out here because sometimes we strike out before we get the home run. So uh-huh. I'm going to leave the ball in your court and you're either going to get back to me or you're not. Have a great day. And darned if he didn't call me back. And he said, you had me in stitches with the first one. And I just have been too busy. I couldn't get back to you. And yet I'm not comical. I'm not funny. I'm just authentic. I love that. And I speak to strangers the way I speak to you, the way I speak to my family, the way I speak to everybody. And I'm you just follow authentic. up and you follow oh. that's you follow up. Oh, let's hammer this home a little bit. So, okay. Follow, that's a good one. Yeah. Follow yeah, up. Follow up. What, what does that mean? That means you call them like twice. No, I have a system. Okay. So I even have a system. And like I said, the three strike rule, and this is two or three weeks apart, but because of the, in this situation mm-hmm. in particular, I'll talk about another one in a second. So this one, when I would be doing this, when I would be looking at the people I was going to call, I just called him a couple of weeks ago, but he's still clicking. I call him again, but not too soon. So then it's like a month apart. And then the next time might be two weeks later. But the third time, like I said, I'll leave it, but I'll follow up. If he hasn't called me back and he's still clicking, I'll follow up in six months. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to inundate him, but I'll follow up. And the, uh, another one that I want to share with you. Now, this was a family business that I worked with. And so like a lot of people, five people at the helm and oh my goodness, the fun we had with them too. And this fellow found out about me from his association. So he reached out to me. So I call him, we're talking. Oh yeah, sounds great. He needs to talk to his older brother. And because he was in the pecking order, his older brother and his father. Okay, great. So then I follow up and he doesn't get back to me. So I follow up again. And I think I said something about, should I be following up? I'm going to send you an email. Feel free to just respond to that if you'd rather not call. So I did. And he said, yes, please do follow up with this in a couple of months. So I did. And I still didn't hear anything from him. And I, I think I contacted him six times over the course of 
eight or nine months or something, because this was a hot lead. I really wanted to get inside the mind of their business and see what was going on and see if I could help. At any rate, two years later, two years after the first time we connected, there I am sitting at his boardroom table with other leaders in his association. And when we were finished and people were just asking me questions like their biggest challenge always in construction is the people, not in the beginning, not when they're starting their business and just growing up to two or three people. It's easy to find two or three people. But then after that, it's people. So I remember one of the people asked me, what do you think about hiring employees? Like, where do you find them? Should we be looking overseas? Where, what's your recommendation? And I said, farmer's children, that's who you want. Because farmer's children know you have to stay attentive to the crop or it's mm. not that you plant the seeds, but you know you can't just expect it to harvest itself and that sort of thing. And they, they all laughed and said, yep, that's exactly who we're always looking for is the farmer's sons. Yeah. Saying that. farmer's children, girls as well, because there are more and more girls getting into construction and rightly so. Right, so right, right. at any rate, at the end of that association meeting, so this was just a, a, like a board meeting. At the end of that, the guy in at whose boardroom table we're sitting says, you don't remember me, but, and I said, of course I remember you. <laughs> so then we started working together almost immediately after that. So that's fantastic. I love that. But it took two years. Yep. Now, if I had not remembered him, of course, when I saw that we were going to be at this place, this is where we're going, so-and-so's company, then I just, wow. And yeah, I can find all that information. I can find it all. Yeah. In my Dropbox is a pretty big filing cabinet. It holds a lot of stuff. And yeah, that's the, that's a beautiful thing. I have a similar story. I had a run a martial arts school in my hometown and did that and then transitioned into like marketing, consulting, and business coach stuff. And I actually had a guy that came in, did the trial at my martial arts school, did not buy, but was on my email list. And eight years later, him and his partner, eight years, eight years later, him and his new business partner joined up for one of my coaching and ended up paying me something like $40,000 total. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years later. Yeah. People buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. And exactly. So exactly. That's why it's important to stay in touch. Now you've alluded to something, but you haven't said it exclusively. So I want to really hit the nail on the head with this. They're clicking. What are they clicking? What? How is there something for them to click? Are you doing a weekly newsletter? Are you doing a... I have to... I, I have to confess, I'm not now. I'm in a beautiful place in my business where I do very little marketing these days and people come to me. So that's another level. I, I'm confessing about the emails. I'm not doing that so much anymore, but that's what got me to here, mm -hmm. to where I am now, for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm at that place where every coach can get their business to be. I'm not even pounding my past clients to give me referrals or anything, but people just are. People contact me from out of the blue and I'll get back to them and we're just having a chit chat. I always have a get acquainted conversation with everybody, even if we meet in LinkedIn or something like that. It starts with a no charge, get acquainted conversation before I even 
mm-hmm. attempt to get them to invest in the diagnostic assessment, which is a one-time Ooh. deal where they make an investment of $797 and I guarantee a 300% ROI at least. And I'm not going to spend my time and refunding their money if it's not going to be worthwhile, right? So that's what our get acquainted conversation is, 10, 15 minutes. And I can hear what they're going through and I can decide if it sounds like, yeah, this is the best next step. And then from there, it's the best next step or not to work with me. And that's 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 an hour long or so diagnostic assessment. Uh, it's an hour long. I thought it was 15, 20 yeah. minutes. So, so no, no, the get acquainted is 10, 15 minutes. And then the diagnostic, it's a process. It, they fill out a questionnaire and they, that gets their juices flowing and their thoughts percolating. And then we have a scheduled time and we get on a call like this for a diagnostic assessment. And it's like taking your vehicle to a mechanic. Yeah. Right. It's spitting and sputtering and you've done everything to do with the vehicle. And so then you take it to the expert. So that's what they're doing. And so I put it up on the hoist to take a look under the hood and then I make my recommendations. Okay, this is what I recommend. And they either what they've heard and my style or they don't. But I still guarantee the 300 percent ROI because we've come into this hour long question and answer. They already did the questionnaire. And then I'm just asking a whole bunch more questions before I give my recommendations. So I, I love this. I, I feel this is, there's such power in what you just said. So let's walk, I want to walk this through for people. So you've got a dream 100. I'm creating a hypothetical scenario mixed with your real, you have a dream 100, you're reaching out, contacting, you're following up and following up more intensely with the people you seem to be getting engagement from, whether it's clicks, whether it's callbacks, there's some sort of meet and greet. Then you have a one-time fee diagnostic event. And I love that because, and this is really important and it's relevant to what everyone's gone through the last three years. Prescription without diagnosis is malpractice in medicine. Mm. Mm-hmm. prescription without diagnosis is malpractice up until about three years ago if any doctor tried to force medication on you without diagnosing you needed it and reasons why you needed it they would lose their license the last three years have been weird because it's been the exact opposite but we won't go down that road i just want to point that out so you engage you do a meet and greet you offer, it's a low risk, one-time payment. Let me look under the hood. And under that, you give a candid, you don't hold anything back, right? And that diet, you're not like, I'm going to keep the secret sauce for if they pay me more. Oh, no, you're genuinely no. trying to over-deliver and create a wow and a feeling that she really understands me, my situation, and the plan, the solution that she's presented, which doesn't even necessarily need to involve you, this plan makes sense. So now I'm sold on the plan that you have prescribed based off of a personalized diagnosis. And at the end of that, I'm guessing you go, you can do it yourself. You can do it with me, or I can just do it all for you. You might have a a low, medium, high tier package. I'm just making this up. I'm spitballing as I go, but essentially that's basically the process. Like you, you sell them on first, you get the commitment, It's a small commitment, low risk commitment, initial offer. Then there's a diagnosis. And then there's a a wow. 
that you give them and they've been they've sold on the plan maybe you give them a couple of plans and let them pick which one's best for you I don't actually, I don't actually do that. What I do is I let them know that in the beginning, even before we get started, that I'll let them know if it makes sense to me to work with them and if they like it. And I have plans that fit different size companies and I'm not going to give them something that's too small. That's too small. Would you go, would, would you go buy a, it's too small for you, nor am I going to offer you something that's too big. Doesn't mean you can't grow into it, but you could but we're going to start with something that's just a little bigger than where you are right now. And I've had people actually contact me to say, I saw this, I think it's $2,000 on my website. You know, I saw this do it yourself on my website and I will have a conversation with them about it. And I have said to numerous, wow, maybe a dozen people, you know what, you'll get a bigger bang for your buck. If you go buy, if you go spend $2,000 on a pair of earrings for your wife, Right. Then right. you will get that thing for $2,000 where you are in your business. You don't have the time. You're not going to do it on your own. I can right. tell you right now, somebody else, I have this other people have reached out to me and I have sold it to other people because it fits. It works for them. They're the one man band and that sort of thing. And so I it, love that. to grow and get a helper and that sort of thing. They've got the time. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. This has been such a great call. I want to, I've got maybe one or two. I know we're, I want to respect your time. I want to ask a couple. One is what do you feel are some of the habits that both have helped you and among your most successful clients? It's the follow through. You mentioned it before. So I've got these systems with, even with my one-on-one clients where we're just, we get together three times a month at the same time on the same day of the week. And how can I help you today? But it's the follow through, fill out that document that I want you to fill out every week so that we, you've got your juices flowing and we're hitting the ground running in each conversation. Because mm. otherwise mm. you're, you're not following the system. There's a system, just follow the system. Mm. So in our coaching sessions, if they're not filling out this document and it's called weekly reflections and achievements review, and it's got five different uh, layers in it. But the first one is what are the top five achievements from this past week? And then from there, what's significant about that? What more could you do? And what are you resisting? And what are your top three things, the most important activities that you're going to be doing this week. And one of the, one of the questions that I've added in is how are you feeling today? Because that's huge. We go on roller coasters of emotions. And so if they're feeling in the dumps about something, then we talk about it and help them get out of it so that Mm -hmm. they can get back up and get moving again. But then the last one is how can Lynn help you move forward faster, more easily this week? Mm. And and with every single one, they know they're going to talk to me tomorrow or or in two days or something like that. But it's in that moment when they've just gone through the five top achievements and all these other questions relating to those wins. How can Lynn best help me this week? If they don't put that in there right then, they lose it by the time we get on the call. So what is, it's the structure. It's following the structure. Oh, and I've got, if I can do this really quickly, the story, it was years ago, 
my first two grandbabies were newborns. I had been down to see one when he was two weeks old. I was in Africa when he was born. So anyway, by the time I get there, he's two weeks old. Three weeks later, the next one arrives. And then we're all coming home to my place for my 50th birthday party. And after two more weeks of them being with me or three weeks or something, then off they go. The one goes home, the other goes down to visit their other grandparents. And I went through a depression. I'm telling you, I've never felt anything like that before in my life for two days, never got out of bed and eat and drink nothing, never got out of bed. And then I reached out to my uh, coach and I said, look, I, I know it's a horrible time of year to ask for extra time, but I need something. I'm really in a bad way. And at the end of our hour long conversation or whatever, he said, it doesn't feel to me like we found it. I don't want to leave you like this. Mm -hmm. And anyway, then it just came to him. He said, what's a question you wouldn't want me to ask you? Ooh, ooh. That's so and powerful. that one just is like a secret. What would be a secret? And I just, it came to me. I looked around my office, a beautiful office, beautiful antique furniture and everything. And in that bookcase, there was the workbook for this program I called the Trade Contractors Business College. And I said, I wouldn't want you to ask me if I'm following the very same strategies on which I train and coach my clients. And that was it, just like that, it was magic. I got the book out, I did all the things I train on, but I had gotten so disconnected from my business because I was yeah. in Africa for three weeks, mm -hmm. completely different culture, right? Get home from there and within a day and a half, three o'clock in the morning, I get in my car and I'm driving east to go down and see mm -hmm. this brand new baby who was having challenges. Right, so right, right, right. get there and three weeks later, along comes my next grandbaby and then we're together and we all drive home and oh my gosh. Right. So I was doing what I needed to do to stay connected in my business with people emailing me or right, phoning right. me message and coaching my clients. But that was all just the bare minimum. Yeah yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then when I saw this, and I'll tell you, that was Christmas time 07. And in January 08, I created my what I call non traditional business plan. And it was my business plan for 08. And it was to see those grandbabies in every calendar month. And I can't remember if my business maybe grew by five times that year. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you worked on it, not in it. Yes. Sense. You built systems, you created repeatable, scalable process. If everything's creative and new, you can't train other people to do it. You can't systemize it. Everything has to be done by you because it's all creative and new. There's no documentation. If we had to rake, make a new wheel every time we wanted to go somewhere with a car or a bicycle, <laughs> what a pain in the butt that would be. But when you've got these templates, these things that you've documented, it, it, it's just the, it's just the way you move forward. I don't know. A lot of people that's, it's just such a, a requirement these mm -hmm. days and age, and especially for you can maintain the quality control. Lynn, this Thanks has been such a good call. I've got three pages of notes. I've got a couple of to-do items I think I need to do as well. I'm meeting with my team leader today. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? 
<laughs> That's a good question. I don't think so. But I do want to go back to a question that I didn't completely answer when you asked, is what are people clicking on in my newsletters? Because I think this could be valuable for mm. new coaches or consultants mm. or whatever. Is a little video, a, a super little video with a, a problem and a solution. Is, is this the kind of problem you have or is a solution? So I have a channel on YouTube that has a hundred and some little videos on there. And I'm talking going way back to the beginning of time, all the way up until maybe a year ago or something like that. I put up another few, but it's just, that's what they're clicking on. So in, in the newsletter, very little verbiage is, it's just some little writing. Don't write a lot of stuff because people aren't going to read it. When they open up an email and they see a book, especially these days, but that's been me for a long time, <laughs> but it's, there's a, a little hook. This is what I'm talking about in this video. It might speak to you. So if people are clicking on that or something on my website. So yeah, I have a great, a great person who just knows how to put this stuff together. She would just send me a note saying, I need three more videos that. <laughs> okay, great. And I'm talking, you got to keep them short too. And, right. I love that. And yeah. Such great advice, timeless advice. Definitely all going to get results. Should people, if people want to know more, if they want to reach out, should they go to mljinternational.com? Is that the best place for them to, to go? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Or LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn is uh, another place you can find me and it's Lynn Jacob, L-Y-N-N-E-J-A-C-O-B. Yeah. Perfect. So for those that want to reach out, find some more, go contact Lynn Jacob on LinkedIn, L-Y-N-E-J-A-C-O-B. Or check out our website, mljinternational.com. Lynn, thank you so much for coming and sharing with my audience. And I know you've got your own family, your own followers, your own priorities. Thank you for coming and helping us do, do a little bit better. It's my pleasure, Daryl. Anytime. So you can, I love your I love your palm tree in the back. So <laughs> that's just out your window. I know the ocean and everything. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> it was when I first moved here for the first couple of years, but yeah. uh, I still live in a lush area. It's very lush, but yeah. I'm more like 30, 40 minutes from the beach now versus yeah. like outside my back door. So that's I still have the beach outside my the, back door. <laughs> I've lived on the beach. Yeah, but I've lived on the beach before. And it like anything, too much of a good thing just gets not boring, but it's just whatever. Same old. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Lynn. Appreciate you. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Daryl. Bye.